0: Hey guys, welcome to Content Candy's new, new show. It's kind of an old show. It's uh, Cinema Bias with myself, Video Drew, and Alex Mac. Please enjoy. Check us out wherever you can find podcasts. Apple, Spotify, what have you. Like and rate and leave a review. That's like a thing you can do on podcasts. And make sure to also check out patreon.com backslash video to find out ways that you can support this channel, which is growing. Okay, end of thing. volume is very loud let me turn it down a little bit how are you alex
1: i'm doing good it's the, i feel like this week passed by in a blur well it's complete. only
0: tuesday so we're all good
1: are you think this
0: well, tuesday from last tuesday
1: yeah i'm thinking of it from tuesday to last tuesday okay. uh but i don't think of weeks as like sunday through saturday anymore who does yeah.
0: that? yeah yeah I, I don't think so either but then, I, then again i also don't have a job and my week usually starts whenever i'm given a new assignment so like my week is just however long the assignment is and then trying to keep track of the days that I do shows, which now can include yeah. any day of the week that I do SEN, which will happen like <laughs> 24 hours before I'm supposed to air on it. So,
1: mm-hmm. yeah,
0: like I, I had 24 hours to know that I had to get up at 10 a.m. today and that can like really mess with your sleep cycle if you go to bed at five o'clock in the morning. As one does Hey, Brennan. Oh, it's his favorite ladies. Brennan says, thank you. We're happy to have you. Um, so tonight we're talking about a very interesting movie. And by very interesting, I mean, it's it's okay, interesting. It's not the most or least interesting movie I've ever seen. It is James Mangold's debut film. Uh, it is his, let's see, I think it's his 1995. It kind of feels a little bit earlier and later than that, somehow at the same time. It's his 1995 premiere film, Heavy. And yeah, it's a film. Uh, Alex, why don't, you, why don't you explain a little bit about what we're getting into today?
1: guys if you're not familiar get the fuck ready so no bias we're gonna be diving into our personal biases for or against a certain director actor writer whatever the fuck we want to talk about but also our biases for or against watching this movie mm-hmm. so we're gonna be diving into this one in particular this is our second film with the mangold era
0: Mangolden age
1: Mangold Golden. I keep <laughs> thank you for the correction. <laughs> I keep doing that. Uh, That's because I coined it and I'm very Age. proud
0: of it. <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> the Mangolden Age. And our first film last week was from is uh, the first cl- the first collaboration between famously so Hugh Jackman and James Mangold, that later has now by now have to date as of 2021 have made like four films together. And, well, actively collaborated on. But it really started all with this weird little drama from
0: 1995. This drama is so 1990s. Like, let me be clear. It is very 90s. It's a very Linklater. Like, if you've watched any of the early Linklater films or Mm Sodenberg films, a lot of them feel like this. Like, this feels a lot like that era of, like, I guess sex... uh, Sexualized videotape was a little bit earlier, but it feels very much around that era of like I was saying. It this movie almost feels like it, it's some sort of hard mashup between like a student film, a mumblecore film, and like Mystic Pizza.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yes,
1: absolutely. It's it's weird because this movie, I I really associate James Mangold as the director. Now I I, I think of him as a man of drama, as a man with I think of him as action. big ideas. Yeah. Translating to the screen. A lot of really major big themes being discussed. Yeah. I think,
0: I think, I think that's exactly right. When I think of James Mangold, I think, I think of big action movies myself. I mean, he's doing the new Indiana Jones. He did those two Wolverine movies, Wolverine and Logan. I mean, he, (laughs) I think of him when I think, and that's what immediately got my eye when I saw he did Kate and Leopold was like, Oh wow. This is the same guy who's done like these big movie action movies, Copland, which we're reviewing next week. Um, But then to also know that he started all with this like very like personal small slice of life film about like an overweight guy who has Shelly Winters as a mom and works at a restaurant or like a bar restaurant and it's a tavern and it yeah, has it's, like five people in it and it feels very much like it's total. the most indie thing you've ever seen like it feels like I don't know was it a student film it feels very much like a student film
1: it definitely feels like a directorial debut circa mm-hmm. mid 90s mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: the music about it. like even this like the the soundscape of it like near the end when uh so it's about this guy and basically he falls in love with a very 90s era Liv tyler like this is like peak Liv tyler Liv tyler uh mm-hmm. and she doesn't work at the bar but he's like husky and there's really there's not much there there like he's just husky and she doesn't like him she's got a boyfriend she doesn't mm-hmm. really like her boyfriend either there's someone else who works at the bar who's like a waitress who kind of likes him but it kind of sleeps around including with his dad, uh, before his dad died, there's that a was drunk 15 guy.
1: years ago, 15
0: years ago. Uh, his mom is like super overbearing, but like in a like kind of nice way because it's chilly winters and, um, they have a little dog and then like, it's just a little slice of life. His mom goes to the hospital. Uh, she dies like pretty much on the table and he doesn't tell anyone for like a couple weeks. And that's pretty dark, he just like goes back and the soundscape of this movie just changes to be this like atonal drone in the background as soon as his mom dies. And that's like the only thing you hear through his like ears is like this atonal like noise. I thought it was like a pretty cool effect. Like and he starts eating like the donuts real fast cause he's like really upset, but he can't tell anyone. It's like a very good like sound cue for like a panic attack. It's just like everything yeah. sounds muffled and you hear like wah. So I thought that was pretty cool. But like, otherwise this is a very low budge movie.
1: This definitely feels like a movie that's, well, it's a movie that talks about a lot of common feelings, such as grief, loneliness, obviously, and and
0: being in a small town.
1: No, I mean, that's something that keeps being reaffirmed to him throughout the entire movie. It seems like it's his most distinctive trait. As I it, yeah,
0: it's it's very interesting because mm-hmm. I thought his most distinctive trait is that he is so shy to the point of like Absolutely. he's having to respond yeah. to women mm-hmm. who are coming on to him.
1: Yeah. Well, I just mean like it's what he thinks as far about. As like, it's the thing that's people refer to him the most. Like he's well, he constantly thinks, told he's chubby by multiple people.
0: Well, he also thinks that way of himself. We mostly hear him refer to himself as chubby through the beginning of the film. Like he's constantly mm-hmm. telling his mom, like, I'm fat. I'm yes. like disgusting. And his mom's like, You're husky. You're not fat. Like, and then I think near the end someone calls him like a fat fuck. But most of the movie people aren't mm-hmm. referring to weight. His weight, I think it's just like something he feels about himself on the inside is like he's unlovable. Cause like mm-hmm. it's not like he ends the movie by losing a bunch of weight and getting the girl. He like ends the movie by being shy and going after a different girl
1: is he going after a different girl or is it kind
0: of he's able to talk to a different girl he's able to have like a nice conversation with a different girl in a way that he wasn't able to have with Liv tyler because he kept getting like super tongue tied around her and he Mm -hmm. wasn't able to like he thought like there was a connection but you feel like very it's a very objective camera lens that you're seeing it all through where you like know that she's not into him because you're also getting her slice of life and how wrapped up she is in the drama she gets pregnant maybe She's, uh, her boyfriend's going on tour, like she doesn't really like him, but she's really not into this other guy. And he's just imagining her drowning and being able to save her life uh, in a very weird sequence that I thought was real.
1: I, I was very confused about this movie overall because like i mentioned i i'm so i associate mangold with him discussing these bigger things these ideas on grieving on what it, um what it means to be alive <laughs> on wh- what it means to feel in control and in for uh, for a lot, a lot of aspects of this movie it, it is just that he is constantly out of control he has no he feels like he has no control of his future or when he where it's mentioned that he likes the idea of changing something, suddenly he's completely shut down right away, and he doesn't know right, what to he handle. At,
0: like he, you hear like him say that he could he could go to school, like he could to school, but like, he could be a, he could be a chef because he's really good at like cooking,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: his mom immediately shuts it down, maybe like we can't afford it, like you wouldn't do anything. And there. even like,
1: Dolores, that, the waitress, was like, "No, you couldn't do that."
0: Yeah, you feel like he's been kind of henpecked his entire life, and sort of kept in this like weird little. Uh, mm-hmm. like arrested development stage of being in a bubble ever since his dad died. And he's a weird choice for a main character because again, like Liv Tyler is so much of a choice to make as like mm-hmm. the co-lead of a film. Like she's the one who's on all the posters. She's like, you know, she's lived. I mean, even if you didn't know how well she acted or didn't act or what you thought of her acting, she's still uh what's his name's daughter. So she was already she came, came out. out, the, out the, yeah, she's Steven Tyler's kid. So she came out the gate pretty famous And she's making such actor decisions in this and he's just kind of playing it like, like mute to the point of like, it's a choice and uh, it's interesting to watch them play off each other.
1: I didn't see it as just as like a release of control. I saw it as you're not going to be. The idea that the parent, that her mom and the waitress are like, no, you're not going to be better than me. You are definitely not going to be better than me. That, that mindset. And you're just like, you're by no means are you going to be the one that gets out of this town or right. the one to get a job, a, a I, job outside of here. When I've been thinking about getting away from here for for years, decades, and it's, I, I never really officially pulled the plug. And you have just a an inkling that you might want to do it no 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 I'm gonna shoot that shit down because you're not worthy of that when I'm still trying to grapple with that fear
0: yeah and I think I think there's a lot there of like also like they're scared of him leaving because he's like the man of the place like his dad died a long time ago and his dad was really depressed and like you, you get the sense the dad wasn't really there there even when he was there Yeah. so like you know and I feel like maybe there's like some of that in him he's like afraid of turning into his dad maybe but like yeah there's a sense of like a real like what's eating Gilbert grape uh mentality of like this very small town this very small bar they're not like he's not really given autonomy to go do whatever he wants um because he's sort of tied to his mother and then i thought it was going to end with like a very gilbert grape sort of ending like that would be the natural beat right he gets out of town like he just Mm -hmm. he picks up or get classes
1: or something yeah.
0: yeah yeah or he starts taking exactly or he starts taking classes but no it ends with him going to get some gatorade in what appears to be like glass bottles is that a thing that Gatorade used to do or am I crazy? Cause yeah. like he shatters glass, glass bobble, bottles at the store and mm-hmm. the woman delivers sweep it up and they start talking and we sort of see it again through this weird shot, this very like I'm a director and I'm being objective about the shot because the shot isn't like from his POV or it's not like just a natural shot. Dog. It's like through a window. Like you see the shot through the window of them talking. So you're like, is that like, Tyler spying on him? No, it's just like a weird decision to be like, this is an mm-hmm. objective scene that's mm-hmm. happening. Um, yeah,
1: I think f- the idea is that I think that I, I actually kind of liked that final scene where it is the ending is ambiguous overall. Just because mm-hmm. I like to think that is what happened. He somehow, yeah, I mean, like he, his character Victor somehow became, or is it Vince? I'm not entirely sure. I can't remember. Like, he somehow, he w- somehow this made this whole situation did make him feel even just a sliver more confident in talking yeah. to this female she and he even before he was talking to her yeah. he was kind of wandering around the that that little corner store that little bodega situation and that was a bodega new thank you clothes for he started he started cleaning his house for the first time in weeks and so he's clearly had this kind of new mindset so i like to think that it was it was his life was definitely being taken a turn for the better. As a yeah, reporter. I
0: mean, it it does suffer a little bit from that manic pixie dream girl thing, where it's like, well, what the fuck happened to her? Like, we're on her journey too. Like, did did she keep the baby? Did she break up with the boyfriend? No, she just goes, and we never like really see from her again. Like, what happened to her? And that's a little bit like problematic <laughs> to me. Just the way Caitlyn Leopold was a little problematic to me.
1: It's a very '90s decision to have yeah. a character like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, to have a character get pregnant and then just be like, bye.
1: <laughs> I also think it's actually very much actually a very almost meta a very meta casting decision to cast Liz Tyler Liv Tyler and I know you said it was almost distracting in its way but at that time at that time in her very earlier on her career she was objectified in this way for being a being known for being more of a rock star's daughter and she's kind of emerging now as this actress and she at that point she was taking on these smaller roles like and she she was in music videos where she played a sexy teenager in high school and she was like in this movie she was like in she was in that um sleeping beauty movie where she goes to italy things what? like that um it was maybe not, not not sleeping beauty it was a it was something beauty and the one Jeremy Irons is in it she goes to Italy visiting family and stuff but the entire but that focus was just how a lot of her at that point is all about her being objectified in that way and in, in some ways also taking knowing how people view her in these movies and her also taking back that control as well.
0: Well, I don't I don't know if I see it the exact same way because it doesn't really feel like mm-hmm. she's in control of the narrative if we literally That's okay from her into in terms it's of like what happened to her story. her
1: mm-hmm. It just um, feels kind of meta by casting her in this very much objectified role, like Megan Fox in Jennifer's body. It's they knew what they were doing. <laughs> casting no, I would,
0: her. In I would say that like this is not a totally I mean, she's a dream dreamboat, but she's not sexually she's not like she's not shown to be like a sexual like like a ideal or something she's just like a girl from now they even the mom even says early on we call this kind of woman wife material which is like a different kind of objectification mm-hmm. which is like a plain girl objectification almost um mm-hmm. and we see her with this boyfriend who she's very loyal to but she seems to get along very like well with everyone else like she's she's just like a nice girl I don't think she's playing like a super sex pot um i think yeah. but i do say that like it it does kind of like almost remind me of her role in uh like she would go on to do an empire records you yes. know where she's just like the nice girl who can't have sex with rex manning you know who can't go through with it like that's that's this character
1: stealing beauty that's the movie stealing, stealing
0: beauty. beauty is it about stealing sleeping beauty? beauty? what is it about sleeping beauty like does it follow the no, story
1: yeah it's um a like a high school girl. She's like right out of high school, or maybe she's in college. I'm not entirely sure, but it's a big deal that she's a virgin. Huge deal.
0: <laughs> How many movies is it that's a big deal that Liv Tyler's a virgin? And I'm glad it's not one in this one. Well, it's the '90s. Yeah, but still, like it's
1: usually not it's, the it's, that somebody's it's, a virgin
0: and, so often.
1: And it, well, her character, like like her her character in particular, a lot of her characters in the '90s in particular, it's. All about her losing her virginity or right or her trying to lose her virginity. That's what I'm saying. She, yeah, she just lost her virginity and she's trying to come to terms with that.
0: Um, that's what I'm saying.
1: Or she's or she's like teased the entire time because she's a virgin and she doesn't want to have sex.
0: It's literally so it's, of it's literally her entire character beat from Empire Records <laughs> is like she is a virgin and she wants to give it up to this one guy, but she's not at the end of the day, she can't go through with it because he's that's
1: that's sleeping beauty right there actually
0: oh so it's like the same so at least in this one they've aged drop of bit. she's in she's Mm -hmm. college or a college dropout she's got this Mm -hmm. boyfriend she's obviously having sex because she gets pregnant or is it clear that she gets pregnant or she just took a birth test or like a pregnancy test
1: i well i read it as uh, personally as she took a test personally but she it was it wasn't really confirmed or denied necessarily it was purposely ambiguous because you kind of at that point only she knows the answer and she's not sure what she's gonna do so right
0: i guess when i guess when the boyfriend says he wants to leave to go on tour and she flips out i assume that meant that she was pregnant because like why else would she flip out about him going on tour like that like when he says i'm leaving in two weeks and she's like fuck no or whatever like why would she why would it be that big of a deal if she doesn't really like this boyfriend i don't yeah, it's like again, she's like written like a weirdly like very like male gazey idea of a girlfriend or like mm-hmm. a female character because like her motivations are just kind of to serve the plot and not to serve any like realistic thing a person I, would do.
1: Well, I I just more I read that aspect of her character more as she doesn't know what she wants. She's incredibly confusing. I'm like like she's she has a boyfriend and she has this relationship with uh Victor and she's, but same time, like he's I like, think kind of like, he touches, like, like she's not flirting with him, but he, she, he's like touching her face in a, in a way and he's like, and um they go out walks. into this parking space area and watch the planes go by and stuff. And yeah, I don't he like, he, he really looks long. at her and she knows he's looking at her right with that it. look. And so she, I think it's in that way she likes just likes having the, the attention and I don't I don't without I don't feeling know. like and yeah. without yeah. feeling threatened at the same time.
0: Again, like you don't get anything like that's that's inferred, and I that's the one read yeah. of it. But I don't know like how much of this can be like implied from her actions. Like she's very clearly in the top of the movie says like I have a boyfriend here. He is to come pick me up. Like everyone mm-hmm. knows the deal. She's on the level. She's not like like you said she's not overtly flirting with this guy. He's more just like. Uh, this, this very quiet dude who's stuck in a friend zone like very clearly pining after her but she's you not going to give him you can still
1: like attention without
0: sure but there's nothing to there,
1: even when you're vocal about sure. having partners
0: i guess i guess what i'm trying to say is, is she's written like a character in a movie she's not written like the way that he's written to be a fully developed yeah. person and the mom is written to be a fully developed person with her own wants and desires and goals that are separate mm-hmm. from him she's yeah. not really written as anything other than like a character in a movie who does certain actions and Liv Tyler to her credit like brings a performance that it feels mm-hmm. very real and very lived in and she feels like this character as like Liv Tyler who I think is actually a pretty good actress now that I think about it like she, she's she just very a very beautiful pouty yeah she's, she's very good at the, one the, thing I think
1: she's like she's one of the most beautiful like pouty actresses I think like, she does
0: who, one role really well, and that's the role she always is. She can't do a very big range, but that role is very good for her.
1: Yeah, yeah. she's like the Jared Butler of beautiful pouty women.
0: She's like, yeah, <laughs> she's, she's the yeah, she's the Russell Crow of like sultry. Yeah, and like, like they found her neck. Do that one do thing, and please don't sing in lemons.
1: <laughs> exactly. Although, um, I do like you on
0: <laughs> I, I, to- I love you That was my favorite part of LeMiz. Don't even get it
1: twisted. I, I, I really do. I don't. And I think it's. I also, outside of Anne Hathaway, I I really do not like the soundtrack to LeMiz, the movie. But anyway, okay, okay. we're getting off track. I don't know. But
0: this actually because, like, me and Eric also feel the same way, except he loves Anne Hathaway in it, and I don't love her in it. I think she's good.
1: I think it, I think it's a definitely. I well, thing is, I love Lemez. I did. I I did that show a few times when I was in, in school. I wasn't in it. I just did, was in production for crew kind of thing. But I, as a result, it crew, I never you were a
0: crew really girl. That what? You were a crew girl.
1: I was a crew girl.
0: I bet you were. Yes,
1: yeah, so I was. That's lovely. I loved it. Yeah, but what did you um, do lights? Sir? What?
0: Did you do lights?
1: No, I did costumes cool i
0: think that's really
1: cool mm-hmm. a lot of dusty fabrics and a little little Ben area but yeah this well this movie in particular it's going back to uh live in particular she's we, we focus a lot on live in particular and she's a great actress obviously she's she did a, i feel like she she did as much as she could given oh, her character how it's written that's what i'm but saying so yeah Debbie Harry, Was that and Debbie what? Harry? That's Debbie Harry. I
0: thought there was someone famous. Video and I was like, drum. Who is that?
1: Debbie Harry. Know. Video now drum. That's her. The,
0: the big part of this movie is that Debbie Harry's in it. I just totally forgot that while watching it. And mm-hmm. oh my god, that's Blondie. That's Blondie, who's like the other waitress. Holy mm-hmm. shit!
1: Yeah, from like Wait from Video on. Drum. Hey, yeah. Kiss me.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Video drums. Debbie Harry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh. That's. Mm-hmm crazy because this is not that's not far from the time of drama. I mean it's maybe a decade but it's like not that far and she looks so different in this movie she looks so washed up and like over the hill I mean she can't be more than my age in it but like they play her like she's so old and like yeah let's
1: let's be honest also being a bar barkeep is definitely it's hard work
0: yeah that's that's kind of the part
1: exhausting it's um, uh, mentally, physically, uh, and everything. And I can't imagine she's in a situation where she feels comfortable
0: financially
1: she? all that no, much.
0: No, and she, she sort of has this very interesting thing going on sort of with the other guy who, like, comes to the bar a lot, the bar regular, who also seems like a dude I recognize. I now realize where I know the main guy from. It's the same guy who's going to pop up in other Mangold movies, such as Identity. He's going to be in Identity, so keep Talk. an eye out for him right here he's also wild at heart he was in a he's a bunch of movies he was in angel heart he was in beautiful girls uh I, like he's well, been in like a million fucking movies and tv shows i remember the episode of house he was on it was very famously like, the moriarty episode i think um the
1: one he the everything. real big one i remember him from is actually he plays a pre a, a former alcoholic or current alcoholic priest and constantine
0: Yep, he's in Constantine. He actually remember what Please. his thing is now. He can move one of his eyes independent of the other one, and can like, uh, or no, he has some sort of condition with his eyes. With that's what it is. He has a condition where his he eyes move like, back and forth really quickly.
1: Like Bill Skarsgård. Yeah.
0: No, 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 not like Bill Skarsgård. That's the eyes moving independently. This guy has a thing where, on, he can't control it. His eyes move very quickly from left to right. Like if you oh. like if they study his, if you get any close up shots of him, his eyes are constantly like flickering. Yeah. And they play with it like it's a thing in Identity, it's a thing in uh, The Devil's Candy, which he's in with Ethan Embry, Like, is that he plays a lot of scary dudes who can do that with his eyes. Uh, and that's like the house episode he's on, that's like a big part of it. His eyes are just constantly flickering around like, like way too fast.
1: What did you think of Debbie Harry's character, in particular, I
0: cannot believe that was Debbie Harry. It's such a bold, <laughs> Dolores. I don't like, to like this person, but it was such a bold choice for her to take, like at this time, because 1995, she's not young, but Blondie's still like a relatively popular band. She's popular from like the 70s. Was, was it? I mean, like people still was listen it? to Heart of Glass. Heart of Glass never went out of style. Like this band, like no, Blondie, I absolutely
1: like, agree. But
0: people were still I, listening to her. I went to go see a Blondie concert yeah, in 2000. I can't.
1: I can't think of five. Blondie songs. Uh,
0: totally. Well, that's because you're not like from that era. Like it's Sunday. Hey, yeah. It's like, no, um, oh,
1: absolutely. No, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, that That being said, it's it. Well, I've mean, like, like, I never thought of her as like a one hit wonder or anything like that. But uh, Debbie Harry, it's funny because I actually associate her more at being an actress than than a singer. Okay. <laughs> Similar as like a Cyndi Lauper. I associate Cyndi Lauper with more. Of her movies than than her music because the only song I I, I know of her is Girls Just Want to Have Fun mm-hmm. so and, and I that's did, the, only did I did
0: one. the soundtrack for Kinky Boots that was her musical on Broadway
1: I didn't like I love Kinky Boots I didn't know that was not her her songs
0: nice Wait, that's, that's her music yeah so she wrote the book mm-hmm. uh, she wrote the music for Kinky Boots that's pretty fantastic um, I saw her in Three Penny Opera like a uh, Wallace Shawn uh, translation of Three Penny Opera one saw on Broadway with Ellen Cumming. I mean, Mm -hmm. sure, I can't name a ton of songs either, but that's because I'm not good at music and I'm not from that era. But, like, I definitely saw a Blondie concert in 2000, 2001. So they were still going on tour and, like, doing stuff. It's not like they're out of the picture. I'm just saying I think it's interesting because it's such an, like, that character is played to be so washed up seeming and so hopeless and so over the like peak of her youth that she's very envious of like Liv Tyler's like young position. So like, yeah. So like, it's a really interesting role for like somebody who has been a pop star to take. It's a very like bold role. And I think it like speaks to like how much Debbie Harry really did have like this acting aspirations to, to do acting, you know, to be like a serious actor that she would take on roles like this. I know she was in something with Norman Reedus once because I, when I, met norman he was like really good friends with blondie they were always hanging out like she was in Ooh. this new york social scene that like he would be part of and so they were like best friends from having done a movie together in the mm-hmm. like mid 90s so i know, I she's stuff. I know.
1: Movie. what it's, it's, uh that uh no one uh norman read I, I i wonder if it was a that serial killer a portrait of a serial killer or something
0: henry portrait of a serial killer i don't think he was in that was he
1: Oh, and I'm talking about the it. wrong person. Forget me. I'm probably talking about the wrong person altogether. Norman
0: Reedus is uh, sorry. Norman Reedus is the guy from um uh, Walking Dead. He's like the main yeah. dude who goes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe he's in something where he's a serial killer. I know the other guy who was originally on the Walking Dead was in Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. The guy from uh, the Suicide Squad in two seconds Ooh. of it.
1: Michael Michael Rooker. Yeah, I'm thinking of Michael Rooker. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no,
0: no, no. Reedus Reedus was also also, he was
1: also apparently in. In Walking Dead for future reference, which yeah, no, I, probably,
0: they were both in Walking Dead. That's probably yeah, why you're you. the younger <laughs> guy in uh, The Walking <laughs> Dead who's become like the main character. My, yeah. Michael Worker was only in the Walking Dead, I think, for like a couple episodes and like season yeah.
1: one. I, I been don't know. On the Walking Dead. I don't know. I don't, yeah. but um, um, I think
0: she did a really good job. I think like I would love to know like a little bit more about Blondie's career. You say you can't name five Blondie songs, but I can't name five Blondie movies. TBH. So I don't, I'm not sure like where the line falls on her. Uh, But I think she did a great job in this. Like this is such a crazy role. Now that I realize it's her like that, I'm so much more impressed by the role. I thought they just got some unknown to be like themselves in a movie, but in actuality, like the the lived in feeling of this movie was like, it seems like highly constructed. So maybe I should give it a Mm -hmm. little more credit. It seems like such a small movie with like non-actors in it. It feels like he just hired non-actors to play essentially themselves. I mean you have Shelly Winters and Liv Tyler making like choices that are very like actorial, but like everyone else in this movie, and there's like five of them, it's a very small film, feels yes. like they're just hired off the street and to like say cut some lines, but are basically who they are off camera, like in real life.
1: Absolutely. I, I do wonder just because of Debbie Harry, oh like you said, she is this absolute badass uh I didn't know that. Um uh,
0: but Michael Rooker and Norman Reese
1: Oh, that's losers. right. Yeah, yeah, totally forgot about that. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, yeah. Well, Debbie Harry, she is this real badass all-around entertainer, obviously. Multifaceted, of course. And honestly, her taking a role like this, I wonder if this could have been in theory a play for awards contention. Honestly.
0: I mean, this was too small to show anything. Role. But, yeah, but it's
1: the 90s showy if that
0: makes but sense but like i don't think this movie got very far like james mangold yeah. hadn't done anything else and this is like 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 you get famous people doing small indie things all the time this is before yeah. Liv tyler broke out this is after blondie was like already a star and like kind of post blondie mm-hmm. being super fucking relevant shelly winters is like the only person i think that's like super famous by the time this comes out but she's again like kind of past yeah. her prime um so I don't know. This feels like very much like he got everybody very low budget because they like the script. Although I can't for the life of me figure out like what they read on the page that like compelled them so hard. Maybe he had produced something or written something else before this that really compelled some people to be in this film. Maybe well, somebody in his, favor.
1: It was his directorial debut. Right. He was but he known, but he did write a few he did. things before this. He was involved with the uh, the screenwriting team for Oliver Disney's Oliver and Company, obviously. Oh. He did, um, I know. Fine, can't wait to cover that one. <laughs> and, oh, that's uh, the next one
0: because I yeah, he
1: recently did that next to that one before this. Mm-hmm, that was definitely him. I think. And he also did an, an animated another animated movie in the late eighties. So I wonder. That's quite a transition, and so I'm kind of curious wait, for a studio to really put a backing and really put in. I, I this is obviously not a huge blockbuster hit. I mean, there's not. Wasn't there a
0: studio? Big, did did this have a studio involved? Are we sure? Because like this looked like an indie movie, like in the sense that it was independent from a studio. Like this didn't come out by a studio.
1: Let me find out.
0: This Copland, his next film will be like a studio film. I don't think this well, was the he, way that it feels so
1: budget. In order to get actors like the actors of the caliber that he did I feel like that requires a certain no
0: no not necessarily not necessarily it doesn't require like a studio studio to be involved he could have created his own production company like and to make this film I mean like you said like this does not this doesn't feel like a a studio was attached to it in any capacity like a Mm -hmm. studio wouldn't put out a film like this in 95 I don't think this would be like a festival film that maybe a a studio Mm -hmm. might pick up to distribute but like no studio was involved in the making of this, I don't think how
1: how would you get actors like that? Though? You, you even
0: know even you know people in Hollywood like people know people or people read the script they pass it around like like you said oh. he had written for Oliver and Company but like I don't know how he got these people involved but again it doesn't seem like a huge a huge leap like he might have known somebody I don't know who his parents were I don't know who he was connected with in the film world but this does feel like a directorial mm-hmm. debut in the sense that like you can get some famous people in like an off moment to be in your student mm-hmm. film essentially and send us to some festivals. I mean, that's how that's how we get movies like you know, uh, Sex, Lies, and Videotape, which was like Soderbergh's big film that had, uh, oh, what's his name in it? Um, James, you James Spader. Well, James Spader, who had already been famous in the 80s. Like James Spader yeah. was already super famous. This was a new kind of direction for James Spader's career, and he hadn't been anything in a while, but he was already very well-known by the time he started this like indie production that didn't have a studio and just became a festival smash. It was mm-hmm. very much like, like that this movie in the sense that it was very mumble corey. Like it, you didn't have a yeah. the sense there was a real script, but more like the actors just kind of played each scene as like the mood took them.
1: Yeah, you're right. Um, I did just look it up and you are totally right on the money. So it actually it did premiere at Sundance Festival. And technically he was actually James Mangold was actually wrapping up his school um uh, at the time of the festival oh, this
0: feels like a student film that's so true. it does yeah you're
1: right on the money when he was attending uh columbia university Pretty and good school. It, it ended up being picked up by cineplex film properties to be released theatrically in the states and so i'm guessing that was were, from
0: blondie's involvement
1: um, oh, and after Ty- Tyler ended up uh, booking, she actually, after Tyler had received recognition for her starring role in Bernardo Bertolucci's Stealing Beauty.
0: Oh, it was a Bertolucci film. You didn't mention that. Yeah. Oh,
1: I didn't know crazy. either. I totally forgot I took a
0: class on Bertolucci in college, and, like, I never found this movie. That's crazy.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, I, I I know, I remember only a handful of people. I, I remember Jeremy, oh, I didn't I, Apparently, Rachel Vice is in it. I knew Jeremy Irons was in it. But... I
0: love Bertolucci. He did Last Tango in Paris. He did the um, the Last Emperor. He did a lot of Lasts, I guess, or like yeah, The Last Emperor, right? That's the name of the movie. Mm-hmm. The one, yeah, with uh Peter O'Toole. Yeah, he did The Last Emperor. He did um, he did a bunch mm-hmm. of movies. He did The Dreamers with Michael Pitt. He did a bunch of films. Very very cool Italian director. Mm-hmm. Some of them. Um, but that being said, so this was a student film. film. I but wonder if Columbia, because Columbia is in New York City, this movie looks like it maybe was filmed in upstate New York. Debbie Harry you knows Norman Reedus from like New Me. York movies. I wonder if this was all just like a New York centric filming thing, and then you just get whoever's in New York City to be in your
1: film. It was. <laughs> I am. I'm very good you're at Yeah, you're, up. Up you're just rules. like you're just keeping roll. You're just dropping the factoids over here. No,
0: I'm like um, yeah, Sherlock
1: sure um, I assume it's upstate New York, but I mean, like, but I mean, New- like, obviously, it's not gonna be in New York City, so anything like no,
0: it's North. Like Chippit- it looks like Chipotle, or whatever that place is called. Uh, Chipp- it it's was it's
1: yeah. filming took place in and around Berryville and Hyde Park, New York, in 93.
0: I was right. Yep. Yeah, and if look, so filming took place in 93. So filming took place before she was known for anything. Like, that, that means that, like, she was filming this movie before she was in any of those, probably even those music videos like right like she or she'd been made she
1: filmed like music videos in the i i know it was like in the early 90s it was like 90 i could have sworn it was like 91 92 but no maybe she
0: had but like i'm just saying like she was even less um, famous in 93 than she is in 95
1: yeah and it's it's really weird because like right after this she booked like a few other like coming of age films um it's just really interesting
0: that his his next film will be copland and then his film after that's going to be girl interrupted. Cause like talk about like the schizophrenia of like James Mangold's acting mm-hmm. choices. And I don't want to use the term schizophrenia. Cause that has a, de- it's not like derogatory, to use. but yeah. like, I don't want to use it in a derogatory <laughs> sense. And it's not even meant to be derogatory. What I mean is like he has such a like wide range and that, that seems like so different in taste, like to do Copland, mm-hmm. which is going to be a Sylvester Stallone action cop movie. And then doing that to moving to like the small, not small scale, but small stakes, much like this movie, Small Stakes of Girl Interrupted, where it's like a very internal movie about like this one woman's experience living in a mental ward uh, in the seventies, which is like the opposite I would say of Copland. And like this, you know, it's, it's gonna be interesting. And I, I think it's cool that he takes on so many projects that are female centric uh, because it pairs nicely with his more like heavy dude stuff. Even though if I don't think he necessarily gets the female stuff right, Especially in Kate Leopold, yeah. it's cool that he takes a crack at doing rom coms. You know.
1: He's yeah, rom-coms. I think one of the one of the big difference between these female characters is well, for one, obviously, Girl Interrupted is based off of a novel, right? No,
0: yeah, no, 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 non nonfiction
1: yeah. story. Yes, based on, um, non-fiction yeah, it's based off a nonfiction story, and I personally, I really love that book, and it's I love that book too, based it's a on book. a truth, and based on loosely based on a true story. And from, written by a woman. And I really love
0: that. Did it turn out the book was bullshit? Or am I thinking of another book? Like, I thought it turned out that some of it was, either some of it was bullshit or am I thinking? Well, yeah,
1: it's like, it wasn't, it wasn't completely biographical. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that was exaggerated. But she said a lot of, there was a lot of like specific scenes in particular that was inspired by true stories. And she said some characters in particular is inspired by like real people that she knew.
0: There's apparently a disorder, and we'll get to this when we do the episode, but there's apparently something called Girl Interrupted Syndrome uh, that I want to look into, which oh boy. Is based on the
1: movie. Cool. Not, not cited, <laughs> but it's, well, James Mangold writing, so James Mangold, he was actually, he did write the screenplay for Girl Interrupted.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then just like two, three years later, he writes Kate Leopold, which mm-hmm. is, talk about 180 as far as not only female characters, but as far as understanding the idea of like um, having a certain points of view regarding female characters and female motivations and stuff like that. It's just a very different approach to these female characters altogether, especially starting from Heavy, mm-hmm. where live character live tyler's character is her whole this made a pixie dream girl like you said her purpose for being there is to be objectified yeah to yes move and while see. girl
0: interrupted is very much like about the experience of being a woman and it i think it gets a lot of it very right um yes mm-hmm. oh who's got a thingy who's got a thingy do you got a thing bring, bring it here oh i'm just nervous
1: I mean, there's, I mean, it's no movie I feel like can be perfect when it comes to, I mean, there's no, there's not no movie or any, anything that can perfectly, perfectly encompass a female experience. Cause that's impossible, obviously, but there's so many moments in, in that movie in Girl Interrupted in particular, where every woman in my family was like, yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny about
0: like a borderline person in their yeah. family. he probably is like it some level has some symptoms of borderline personality themselves uh like i feel like this movie that movie is very empathetically aware of like the experience of being a woman even if it's like you said it's not like perfectly encapsulating i also think being on a movie set it's very hard to be like it's it's hard for a movie to convey feminine experiences very well because I think the act of being on a movie set is like inherently very male. Like it is a very like inherently male situation. There are female directors, there are female, uh, like writers, but it's very rare to have like a female, all female cast and crew. And even doing that is like a reaction to something and would create like a special kind of experience, but mostly the crew you're going to be working with is men. The DP is going to be a guy. Like the cinematographer is going to be a guy. Like the yeah. art, you know. Like everyone's going to yeah, be basically yeah. male, even Can if you have a female director. It's mostly going to be male set. So I feel like the experience of like capturing the the female experience on film is very very difficult to achieve. And I feel like Girl Interrupted is one of these earlier '90s film or like mid '90s films that like do it very well, like in a very nuanced mm-hmm. way. The performance to get Winona Ryder and Angelina Jolie are like pretty stunning, and you do feel like you're in an all female ward. <laughs> with like just women in like the, in the place that Elizabeth Moss mm-hmm. is great in it. Like early performance by Elizabeth Moss. Yeah. Uh, did Angelina win an, an Oscar yes. for it? it was she won
1: like Best Supporting it. Actress, the Oscar for it. Two-day Oscar.
0: Mm-hmm. Incredible performance. Uh, and it does in Whoopi Goldberg, like it just feels like you're in this mental ward with these people in the seventies. Jared Leto, early early post my so-called life, Jared Leto, not, mm-hmm. not doing a weird thing with his uh, whole whole appearance i
1: think he wears a weird coat at one scene and that's it and it was oprah like one of her best big roles after, uh, it was like a big role for her i don't know if it she was, was nominated or it not was
0: Whoopi. Well.
1: it was Whoopi. not oprah oh sorry yeah you're right uh yeah thank you for correcting me uh Whoopi, she um i feel like she should have been nominated oh she, she was might uh, have
0: been nominated uh, that was, was a really was good
1: role. And girl interrupted um as the nurse and yeah, it's, it's definitely heartbreaking, but I, I think it's definitely now that I think about it, I feel like it's a definitely a very interesting, almost a double feature to this movie, because this movie is about a man that's surrounded by women that are controlling him mm-hmm. with different, very different ideas. I mean, with very different situations in their life at different points of their life, but also it almost like it's... The I don't want to say it's the evolution of a woman, <laughs> but it's definitely at three women at very different stages in their life, but they're all battling a lot of similar things. They're battling this situation of class. They are battling this situation where they're just generally unhappy with their situation overall. They're angry. They're lonely.
0: And what does that and- remind you of? Like, Logan. Like, that is, like, you- he's kind of like just breaking down the barriers at a certain point yeah. of like what it means to be like a person in this world. Like walk hard is like another good example. Like not walk hard. Sorry. The one that I walk love hard walk, hard. Of, <laughs> walk the line. Sorry. The one that walk <laughs> hard is making fun of walk the line. Another one where it's like about isolated, angry, lonely people, or not even angry, isolated, lonely people. Some of whom are angry. Some of whom are women, some of whom are men, but like you're right. It's like the sense of alienation from like your mm-hmm. time and place uh, that you live in. Mm -hmm. Uh, feeling sort of like a drift in the world. But it's funny because you would think that that would make him after this movie. I would have thought he went in like a Linklater or Soderbergh uh, direction, like doing a couple smaller films and then maybe breaking out with like, you know, an ensemble piece, Um, like something like, you know, uh, what's it called? The fucking, the Matthew McConaughey one. All right, all right, all right. The Days and Confused. Yeah, I would assume that he would have done like a Days and Confused or he would have done like a Soderbergh. Like sex size and videotapes, so it's really interesting that his next movie is going to be like such a big Stallone film.
1: Like, yeah. I, I, I wonder well,
0: it, how he gets Stallone for his next movie.
1: I do think that Girl Interrupted is very much an ensemble movie. It wasn't great, right, it, it was, no, it yeah, it's definitely a, an ensemble drama that's with not big stars.
0: But, the, but the, here's the interesting right. thing. Again, like when I say ensemble drama, I kind of mean like a dude ensemble drama, like Sonnenberg doing Ocean's more Eleven fashion. or like not like a female ensemble drama. And the interesting thing about Girl Interrupted, and we can like, you know, talk about this more when we get to that week, is that it's, it's people at an interesting stage of their career, kind of like this movie. Like Winona hasn't done anything for a little bit when this movie comes out, like she's a little yeah. bit past like the, the Edward Scissorhands, uh, Beetlejuice era of her life. And then after this, she's not gonna do that much until she, like uh, she does like Mr. Deeds or something, but she won't do very much until like Stranger Things. So this is like kind of po- a little bit post Winona. Yeah. I think this is around the time where she gets arrested for shoplifting or a little bit before he she does, gets arrested yeah, this, properly. Um,
1: I believe Girl truck was like 95, 96. I could be wrong um i' oh no, no, that no heavy was 95 so yeah this was 99 was like 97 oh was it 99 Mm-hmm. oh because i know the early 2000s was when she ended up um uh convicted for shoplifting and that I whole thing was
0: she crap. was convicted right so yeah so 99 was um she did let's see 99, she did Celebrity with uh, Woody Allen, Girl Interrupted, uh, which she EP'd, which is kind of interesting. And then she, her, hiatus, her hiatus was like 2001 to 2015.
1: Damn, that's a long hiatus.
0: Yeah, it is. Oh, well, I mean, mm-hmm. technically, she did a couple things in there, but like her big reveal was redoing or uh, doing Stranger Things. So anyway, we can talk mm-hmm. about when we get there, but I think it's really and interesting. Black Swan. She- oh, yeah, she was in Black Swan. So that was 2013.
1: But, yeah, I mean, like, again, like it wasn't, it, like, a resurgence
0: really. in the sense that she's the main character or, like, has a big part in it. It was just, like, a little cameo. It was, like, more of an Easter egg. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and, I, you know, you get to a certain age as an actress, and I'm sure you're, like, oh, like, I'm not – I don't want – I got was famous for being young and beautiful. I'm not sure I want to, be like, be in starring stuff anymore. Like, you notice know, so we don't see Liv Tyler around that much right now. Um, yeah, she's
1: content. She's doing good, and I'm
0: right like, it's not good or bad. I think she's, like, off with the family. She's doing her own thing. But I'm saying, like, the – like I thought like Debbie Harry did a really good job here and it was kind of not to be this person but like it's kind of brave of her to do this kind of role because it's not an attractive person role. It's not supposed to be like a, a sexy role. It's very much like a washed up woman working at a truck stop diner kind of role.
1: And she doesn't really get any big moment in the movie either. Or no. if she did or if she or if she, or like a big like she monologue just or just room. any kind of big proclamation regarding her character cuz if she did Mm-hmm. I honestly think she would have had more, like, awards, like, accolade or something like that. And just get, like, more offers or something. I wonder if she did get offers and she just turned it down. I'm not entirely sure, obviously. But Again, I like, would've...
0: I think Henry Harry, like, just, she kind of dabbled in acting. I don't think, like, I think video drama's her biggest thing to date. I don't know if she was in a ton. I do yeah,
1: but... you know she was Yeah, she did a handful of things. And she did, like, I, like, I knew her before. VideoDrome. I knew her from like a random splash of TV shows, like Sabrina the Teenage Witch. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's 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 how I remember seeing her. So uh, I have a very specific view uh, of of her. And like, I I only a lot of credits, but they're
0: mostly they're mostly credits of like um, like weird like like uh, animation or TV or like 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 small little stunt pieces. There's not a lot, you know, short movies. There's not a ton of feature length films that came out in theaters that starred or that even have Deborah Deborah Harry in it. Like,
1: Which is very also incredibly very surprising nowadays, just because I feel like the mid late 80s was all about having uh singers in the, movies. Madonna the new that. Yeah. It, it, they they were doing a ton of movies at that time.
0: Yeah, but like you have to remember that like it's, it's about the actress too. Like, what does she want? Like, That's Madonna right. wanted to be famous and like wanted to be known as an actress and wanted to be taken seriously as an actress. So she like went and starred in Vita and a ton of things. I don't think Deborah Harry, while I think Deborah Harry had an interesting relationship to like film and being filmed and being an actress. I don't think that was her main, ever her main goal. I think it was like a thing that she had an interest in in relation to almost like a video drum, like interest in like having hot and cold media and being involved with like something that was, you know, Weird. different films you know like having it sort of like a, a new wave sensibility when it came to starring and stuff or like being in movies but i think it was always more indie than someone like madonna and was never going for like major big studio releases or else her most famous thing wouldn't be a cronenberg movie
1: that's true that's very true yeah she will um, be in
0: copland so she works with this guy she likes Mangold, so she's gonna work with him again
1: yeah i wonder if they were just uh hooking up like you mentioned like a lot of these people they just happen to go to the same parties and think just click things like that well, so i I'm wonder if so. they were friends beforehand and james was like yo i could picture you doing this be amazing in this character i wonder if that was like the pitch and she was like well you're my friend so i'll definitely help out i
0: mean i was about to say this. it seems like he would be very young to, to be hanging out with her but then again so would norman reedus he would have been like their age difference is notable that like Debbie Harry and Norman Reedus are best friends. So, like, maybe, yeah, she hangs out with like really young dudes who's like, so the thing about Mangold is he is the son and of two like pretty prominent artists, yeah. like from, from the Hudson Valley. So, yeah. nah, like, so he, he, it's not like he doesn't know anything. Uh, He went to California, he went to like California School of the Arts. So, he worked with Disney for a while. He's Oliver, but he had like a whole deal with them. Then he like worked with Milos Foreman, like when he developed Heavy and Copland. So, like, Working with Milos Forman is going to be a pretty big feather in your cap. And you're going to have to be like hanging out mm-hmm. with some pretty heavy people yeah. to be hanging out with Milos Foreman, right? So like you're hanging out with the the One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and Amadeus director kind of during like his big rise. His, like he's about to be the first yeah. Larry Flint, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, so it's a big deal that he was working with Disney, <laughs> Milos Foreman, and all these people even before he ever did heavy. Mm-hmm
1: yeah i wonder well it's like you mentioned like you kind of discussed earlier this is this is such an i don't want to say aggressive student project it's just
0: it is an aggressive student project that's my first thought about this it is
1: it is Oh, yeah, there's, um yeah, yeah, Brennan, there's also, like, very little actual Latino actors in that movie at all. <laughs> Everyone's white. <laughs> um, and not just white, there are a lot of white people in Argentina, that's an entire uh, conversation, there's nothing wrong with that, but, I like... more just
0: problematic of, like, the story of Ava Peron as a musical without addressing, like, the big elephant in the room, which is that Ava Peron was friends with Nazis. Big supporter yeah. of the Nazis. That's why they all fled to Germany, uh, they all fled to Argentina after World War II. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's, yeah, a whole conversation. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I like the
0: musical, like, don't get me, don't get twisted. I like the music in Aveda a lot. It's just, you know, really? Yeah,
1: Not the it's, still,
0: it's, very, so specific, dressing.
1: it's a it's very, there's a, I mean, there's a reason why a lot of Nazis retired to Argentini. That's what I'm saying. Um, yeah. Postwar. They touched on
0: it in one of the songs, and like I think, uh, the Rainbow Tour, they talk about how she's like good oh, friends did? with Mussolini. They talk about yeah, how yeah, she's I mean, good friends with that. That's good, I
1: remember I the lyrics at all.
0: they talk about how, like, when you're good friends with Mussolini, that's not hard or something? And they talk about the Rainbow Tour and how she's going around Europe and like how she starts to <laughs> lag because it's like they imply because it it's her illness, but again, it's a very vaguely ill-defined illness, and in actuality, it's because she was like friends with all the Nazis.
1: And I like, know she, did she technically die of breast cancer or something?
0: I don't know. I mean, the the play makes it very vague about what happened. She was just, like, overcome with a sickness. Uh, mm-hmm. And it just kind of, like, it sort of soft pedals a lot of the despicable stuff about the Perones. Mm-hmm. Hey, girl. I, know she's
1: still an, I know she's still technically considered an icon. Um, yeah. But also, uh, Antonio Banderas, he's not even Latino. So, anyway, okay, Um, that's another conversation for another day, though. Uh, a whole big one what
0: he's not latino
1: he's spanish
0: Perfect. okay okay i had this conversation recently La- spanish is not latino right
1: that is a latino refers to south america central American, america and mexico Just uh spanish to spain in particular right um like like he like he doesn't speak mexican he doesn't
0: well Mexican is not a language
1: though, right? It's Spanish. Mexican, Well, me- Mexican, Spanish. Is, yeah. He doesn't speak, uh, sorry, you're right. Totally sorry. Um, Spanish, He doesn't speak um, like a Mexican dialect of Spanish because in Mexico throughout, there's a lot of different dialects. And for- I, I mean,
0: I thought this was true. I'm just glad to have it reaffirmed that mm-hmm. like, yeah, Latino yeah. doesn't refer to Spanish people. Right? And mm-hmm. I, I, I thought that's true. So I hope that is still the case or not. Mm-hmm. Someone correct me if I'm wrong, but I always assumed that Spanish was not Latino. Maybe it's very, mm. um, very. I, very I, I, I always understood that,
1: I, that they were very different. I also, I, I. Well, um, there were two
0: totally different things: Spanish culture and Latino oh, cool. cultures. Totally different things. Yeah. I feel
1: like it's yeah. It gets really, it gets really wonky because I also, I also have friends that are um, Latino and Latina, and they, <laughs> and they said um, we actually identify with more Filipino and Southeast Asian culture than Spanish uh, yeah. than than Hispanic culture just because one, they were both colonized by Spain. Yeah,
0: like Spanish is cookies. But but there's,
1: there's there's a huge, there's a huge colonization aspect. But also there's like a lot of similarities. Like the, a lot of they have a lot of the same food. Like the most popular names throughout the countries are actually the same in both countries. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, and when I think of Spanish, I it think of people really are very light skinned, actually. Like when I think of people from Spain, like I think of very, very like the, the people who look European, who look they're, 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 like very pale, like mm-hmm. me sometimes. Like it is very different, I think, than like when I think of like Latino culture, which I think of as speaking mm-hmm. a very, also a very different kind of Spanish. They don't speak with that Catalonian, like Lith, mm-hmm. accent. When I watch like The Young Pope, mm-hmm. that's like what I think, or that's Italian, but I guess like there's some Spanish mm-hmm. people on that show because there's that Spanish actor from Almodovar films. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Hispanic yes. can include Spain, says Brennan. So maybe I'm incorrect. I guess you maybe know, I'm trying to make a difference. Hispanic is, change. as
1: far as I've been told, as by, I've been told by Hispanic uh, by Hispanic people, is referring to exclusively Spain. It doesn't refer to like, say, Brazilian and so M- Mexico Mexican or anything. It's you know. exclusively Spain. Um, totally someone exclusive. says so like uh, uh, the Iberian that. Peninsula that can, however, mean Spain and or Portugal
0: wait wait Hispanic only means Spain but Hispanic also refers to like Mexico. I was told it means
1: exclusively Spain because I Iberi- bear because if you're referring to Iberian Peninsula that refers to that entire what peninsula about the whole it also includes Portugal
0: but what about Mexico is Mexico not Hispanic
1: that that that's Spanish as far as I told
0: it, it, it can only include Spain
1: I, I was told specifically that Hispanic refers to Spain Hispaniola spain as a country exclusively and sure. latino refers to latino latino or latinx refers to south america central america and mexico okay good to
0: have the distinction good
1: to know. <laughs> but yeah I, I had a i had a, everything explained to me very specifically um so just because i was like i need i need to make sure i'm not saying the wrong thing <laughs> i need to know
0: I mean, it's it's not arbitrary. The thing is, it, it matters to people who who identify as these things. So I, that's why it's like important to like know my yeah. shit, and to Google it, and know and talk to people mm-hmm. like Alex did about it because it's not arbitrary to the people whose culture it, mm-hmm. it absolutely. To, right? like, like, if, like
1: like if someone told me that I was East Asian, I was like, and East Asian was my culture. I'm like, no, that's not my culture though.
0: I like went up and I was like, you look Hispanic, like, and I meant like you look latino or i meant like something else by it like it, it's just still like a it's a word so it has power to it mm-hmm. you know and
1: well it's yeah in culture well in culturally anyway we're we're getting really really off topic well,
0: well i mean you know, a bias. welcome to it glad to have you I know.
1: surprise it's what yeah surprise we're getting off topic here I mean, but yeah of,
0: there's also not that much more i can say about this movie other than it exists and it's the first film and well, james and was is very lucky to have rich uh famous parents well, i guess
1: well, something I'm kind of curious, coming from you, is oh, specifically, yeah? this is a directorial debut. hmm How yeah. does it do as a directorial debut?
0: Like, has it beer up against, like, a racer
1: head? Uh, yeah, if this is presented to you with no other reference. Um,
0: I mean, I was able to get of- it. I was able to name exactly what this movie was without Googling one damn thing about it. I was like, this is his, not only is this his first movie, this is his student film. It was shot in Upstate New York. Like I was able to get the location of this film correct because like it yeah. just reads as so much a certain era, a certain type, a certain kind of budget, a certain kind of lack of studio. Um it is cool and I think probably distinctive that he had worked with such big places and that before even making his first film, he'd already worked with Disney and like he was studying under Milo's Foreman, but it clearly he was. Talented and from a family that was already well known for the arts. So it's not, he was coming from a place of like pretty high up privilege to not like, not like other directors weren't or that's neither here nor there really. But like this movie is a very interesting choice for a directorial mm-hmm. debut. Did it work for me? No, but it kind of felt more like uh, an experiment. Uh, thank you, Brennan. I, I wasn't trying to like dog you about it or anything. I just like, that's why we're talking about it is because it is important to people. Um, so I think that, it's an interesting topic. James Mangold himself is not a heavy man. And he wrote this script, right? And it's a script I, that's like so I, small. It's like such a small slice of life. It, when I say it's like what's eating Gilbert Grape, but on an even smaller scale than Gilbert Grape was, because he doesn't have any other siblings. He's not taking care of like a family member with uh, mental issues. He's not, his mother's not obese. He is able to leave at any time he wants. It's just about- well, a listen,
1: I, I disagree almost i Good. felt like Good. he he wasn't taking care of anyone but i was wondering if he suffered from any kind of mental illnesses
0: well we, we're not given a clue one way or another about that yeah. like,
1: I, yeah, there's like there's obviously no, like there's there's no mention of any kind of medication or anything or how he's struggling or anything it's just he's not
0: that it's slow they don't portray him as slow just sort of like a
1: mom yeah they, absolutely not it just I, I at first i thought it might have been an anxiety issue or maybe yeah. he might just have some trouble with confidence or just communicating in general?
0: Yeah, I don't think that he's trying to make a distinction mm-hmm. in the way he does with Girl Interrupted, where it's sure. like she has borderline personality disorder. It's like, this is like, he's got some vague sort of social, maybe social anxiety or just sort of like a 90s era, like guy who's supposed to be sort of like, not a nice guy, but you know, like a, a dude that you would normally look over. And I don't think it's given much more nuance than that because he's again, not given that much dialogue, even though he's our main character, he's not given a ton to work with in terms of like uh what he mm-hmm. says. We're just kind of like seeing the world like as he goes about it.
1: And he um, doesn't and he also similar to Dolores the waitress's character, he well, I feel like no character in particular has a big moment throughout the film. It's a very quiet film. Like there's no moment where he's like, oh my gosh, she there's like I mean like I guess the closest thing you have is him having freaking out at the bar by himself and angry. Yeah. yeah, and having a pain in anger eating or fear eating, really grief eating the pizza and like knocking about. Oh stuff.
0: Yeah. He's, he's grief eating for those two weeks. And again, like it's not like everyone in town is calling him fat. There's that one guy who calls him team, like calls him like a fat buck near the end. But he himself, because mm-hmm. by today's distinction, I don't even think he's that. Like he is, like his mom just says, like he's a husky guy. He's like a big guy, but he's not. Yeah. Now he is the now the actor is like rotund, and you probably call overweight. But like back then, he mm-hmm. was like still. It's kind of like on the border between like heavy and like normal. Yeah, like it doesn't come I mean, off as one it, way or another, really. But
1: even so, I mean, there's it's nothing wrong. It. There's nothing wrong with being fat or being or being called that. It's just the, the negativity that some people put with it. Like as of like, making it and out the nineties,
0: sp- it's, diff- it's different. Yeah, too, yeah, like
1: the 90s is, yeah the very different. But like, oh, if you it's say something, different. like you did like like where it's like an insult. That's one thing by saying versus like saying you're fat, whatever.
0: Well, Move I still on. don't think I don't still don't think you were supposed to say that, but you know, like I think the way it's more just how he views that, himself. Yeah. I guess is the point.
1: Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. a, it's um, more like it's,
0: how he talks to his mom about himself, and she doesn't like. She, it's more just like I think the relationship he has with his mother is so. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because I thought she was supposed to be the good guy. I thought she was supposed mm-hmm. to be like the grounding force of him at first, because like she's played by Shelly Winters, this very famous actress, normally known for being a very sweet, mm-hmm. uh, like person. Or like, she's playing a lot of sweet characters she's like she's like trying to set her son up this movie starts with her hiring with tyler basically so her son can like have a friend like the whole scene starts with her being like oh okay kind of like interested in tyler applying for a job because she can Mm -hmm. see her son sort of peeping through and being interested in like what she's doing uh with the hiring so like the whole thing is sort of set up and then you realize like her mom said his mom setting him up like that is like not a recipe for success nor would it ever be it's very like Norman Bates ish to have your mom kind of set you up on a date like that, or like set you up with a girlfriend or wannabe girlfriend, even though she's got a boyfriend because mom's trying to be a little bit overbearing and like a little bit like the only woman in your life. Uh, it's
1: funny you say that because I literally compared her compared, compared it to psycho earlier today when I really? I watched, like I watched like 70% before work and watched the remaining 30% when I got home. Yeah, And when I was like describing the plot to Lucas and he's like, and I was like, it's kind of like Norman Bates, like where he's like he's he's with his well, in theory he's like with his mom, then he's like with the family business, and then he he yeah. brings her in. a unhealthy like, relationship yeah. with her. Well, I think
0: <laughs> and, this has been a different kind of film, and one made today. The yeah. There, that, those references would probably be more more overt, and people would like speak them out loud and be like, "Hey, you're yeah. being a little bit Norman Batesy," because it'd be like self reflective yeah. and like whatever. It's so interesting though to think about this guy, this director. Like if you could have mm-hmm. told me when this movie came out, that this director would end up doing Indiana Jones. Like that's. Logan. Lo- I mean, but it, it, Logan you would have no context for, right? Because the comic book movies weren't big yet. I'm saying circa 1995, if you had oh, told yeah. anybody that this guy was going to go on to make the next Indiana Jones film, you'd be like, that's insane. Like this movie is the anti Indiana Jones film. It's starring like a guy who does not talk being like, like mm-hmm. henpecked by women and being like too scared to like speak to anyone and just eats his feelings and like does not yeah. speak to the entire movie. And it you know.
1: doesn't feel like uh, nowadays we're used to a lot of directors having big directorial debuts, mm-hmm. like Damien Chazelle. <laughs> like, yeah. Because yeah, they,
0: they work with people a lot longer. Like Yeah.
1: They, they work with people them. a lot longer. They wait a while until they have their directorial debut. They work as a writer. They work as a cinematographer, something like that director photography or something like that before making their own directorial debut and at that point they have more of an established relationship in theory with the studio and actors Mm -hmm. and and, and just more of a career relationship uh, as presidents and and so that's what we're kind of used to nowadays Mm -hmm. but Re- it's it's a nice little reminder that random it, this feels almost like a student film from mm-hmm. like the 60s and 70s where we're getting those that that first generation well, wonder if that's forman,
0: forman. <laughs> like, i wonder if that's why Milos forman was so into him because it yeah. does feel like a film that somebody would have made like during the milos Foreman era of filmmaking mm-hmm. even if milos didn't make films like this necessarily yeah
1: yeah, yeah even the, the say so even the insults are like really weird um They're- yeah, It's just like, it's very barebone insults. Like there's nothing, there's nothing in this movie that's particularly creative. Yeah, it's just so more,
0: it's like, setting
1: a camera down and like watching actors
0: act. You're right. Act. So I think that's a big part of it too. That's maybe a little bit like uh, you wouldn't expect this guy to go on and necessarily do the best things because like, it is just sort of like he plops a camera down and the movie just starts. Like he doesn't do a lot of interesting camera work. He doesn't, it is just sort of like, he set up a little play to put on for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really cool. And like, it's cool that, again, the story is much harder to tell back in 1995 than it would be when it would today have its own HBO miniseries probably about this dude hanging out. Um,
1: but yeah, I, I mean, but I liked it. I just, shot like The Sopranos.
0: Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. I, it was yeah. Kind of, this was kind of shot like The Sopranos in the sense that it was just like one, <laughs> one kind of like room and everyone was sort of in the line.
1: He's but, um, a young Gandolfini. <laughs>
0: Very different than Tony. I don't think this is the the Saints of Newark, but uh, I will say that, yeah, <laughs> there's something there to it. Um,
1: not like I'm young, saying, young. But...
0: No, no, no. Yeah, but I'm saying like, uh, there's that, what's that movie that's coming out that's literally about the uh, Saints New of New, New
1: Newark, 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 New Jersey, Newark, um, not New York, Newark, New,
0: Newark, like New but Jersey. not but not Newark, which is Newark, Delaware, where I grew up. It's Newark, New Jersey.
1: Yeah. But, Newark, New Jersey. Yeah. yeah.
0: But Newark, it's spelled the exact same way. Is where I grew up in Delaware. Newark, New, Newark, Delaware, and then Newark, it, New Jersey, spelled the exact wait, same
1: way. Wait, what's the pronunciation difference?
0: Newark, like like it's pronounced like an Ark of the Covenant versus Newark, okay. like Newark.
1: Like, oh, Newark like versus Newark. Like,
0: yeah, there you go. Newark, but like you're almost two e's.
1: Like, but spelled the same way. Spelled the same way. Fun. It
0: is such a minor that. distinction, but if you grew up in Newark, Delaware, then you definitely yeah. don't want to be confused for Newark, New Jersey, because Newark, like, New Jersey is known as a shithole. Basically. Like, I've
1: been to, like, a, I remember driving through, like, there's, like, in in, uh, in Tennessee, there's Louisville. Louisville? Spelled, yeah, Louisville. It's like, yeah, Louisville, but it's, but I've driven to, through other states, that also has the same name for, like, a smaller town, but it's pronounced completely different. And it's, like, pronounced, like, Lu- like Louisville.
0: Yeah.
1: Or Louisville. Like, like, like
0: the Louisville Sluggers or whatever. No, that is Louisville. That is the one you're talking about, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I was, when I was told, I, I when, when I was there, they pronounced it as Louisville. Louisville. Yeah. yeah we have but, they, we like, called, like uh, people, people incorrectly would pronounce it as Louisville. Yeah. And almost like ironically, and it's almost like a like a tour, like a thing people say ironically now. But but you're supposed to pronounce as Louisville.
0: Louisville. Okay, good to know. Um, Well, I think that's as much as I got to say about this movie. I'm glad that we. You know what? I and I hate to like be this person, but I'm so glad that I was correct on everything that I assumed about this film. I know. To a creepy to a creepy degree, I predicted everything about the behind the scenes of this film. That means that like I'm getting better at like identifying.
1: Thing. And there's it I was totally amazed because there was so little like outside reference to anything. Like there was no mention of like a map. Mm-hmm. Like there's no mention of like a city. It was just more of a vibe. Yeah, there was-, was like, I was telling Lucas, so I was like, technically this could have been set in the 70s in like Alabama. Yeah, <laughs>
0: without- it, like, like Mr. Pisa, <laughs> like what's eating Guilford Grape, it's sort of like a movie that is out of time. Like Kingley yeah. pulled LOL. It's a movie that is sort of out of sync with time. Like, it feels like it could be taking place. You're right. Like, it's a, it's almost like a play. It could be taking place at any era, any time. There's nothing that's specifically grounded to a, a time or place for this mm-hmm. movie. They talk about, like, this... They talk about what it's like on the other side of the water, which is uh, I'm assuming, like, the big city or Newark or wherever. Uh, or it's the other side of the Hudson Valley. I'm now realizing. But, like, it's not ever made clear. So, like, he's talking, when they talk about the other place over the water, they're talking about, like, New York City, I'm guessing. But... It's, it doesn't make it clear. It's not really trying to be distinct. It's sort of like that new Midnight Mass maybe on Netflix where they're just someplace on an island on someplace and it's not- On their own time. On their own time, sort of like living their own lives. Yeah, like it's, yeah. it's out of lock with time, out of step with time. There's no references yeah. to movies Well, they don't really, filmmaker. like
1: a place like that doesn't really need to, not like, I don't know about acknowledge time on the outside where it's so isolated. This movie, this movie doesn't need to. Yeah, yeah, it, it's so isolated where it's so unnecessary. Well, but you
0: know what? And credit to him because a lot of movies mm-hmm. would do that, no matter what. Like how small your movie is and how small stakes it is, you're, the impulse is to make it pop culture, like to, to ground it somewhere. Make just it, because of yeah. the way we think as a human yeah. beings. Like to name something in there, have someone use a cell phone, have someone use, do something that like is just natural and part of our day to day lives now. Reference something, but mm-hmm. to not do that is actually pretty hard. Like, it's yeah. hard to do that think about like kevin smith movies like everything's just references to not do that it takes like a specific set of like like literally restraint to be like okay well they can't reference anything in pop culture because it's going to be irrelevant in a couple years and this kind of helps it become sort of timeless so it kind of speaks to us today the same way it would speak to us like you know 20 30 years ago
1: yeah, I, I definitely agree with you there. I feel like there when a movie does go overboard, like the movie Free Guy recently that came out in theater. I think it's I've a great film. I've not seen movie. that yet. Um, I think it's, it's I think it's fun. I think it's solid. It's it's very it's incredibly meta movie, and I like the idea of it, what it's trying to present. Um, but it's a movie filled with mo- like of references of game references of movie of pop culture references and Will Smith playing Fort being in Fortnite and, and stuff Will like that. In no, but in this movie, yeah, okay, there's a version of it where it is, and okay. it's incredibly meta. Um, the entire time, it's making references to like Bezos and, uh, yeah, <laughs> a bunch yeah. of people. But with when a, the more a movie does that, it really really dates itself because it's not going to be as relevant in next year, let alone ten or twenty years. Good so, point. It, so that makes it not only just less interesting upon upon rewatch in theory Mm -hmm. um when it's so specific versus like other versus like say back to the future or something like that it does but it doesn't at the same time it's not you can drop little hints here and there that are relevant to the plot Mm -hmm. but when it's overwhelming and you're just putting shit in there just to put it in there and for ma-
0: you do have to remember that like it will be in a couple years like and this is like the impulse control thing of it it's like yeah. you need to like be restrained as a director because in a couple years those references will all be like so dated that it will be like everyone will look at it and be like this is a 2020 movie also what is it really-
1: it. wait what is that joke reference what does that mean i don't get it <laughs>
0: yeah exactly people are gonna be like you try watching like like uh some of the wor- stuff of kevin smith still lands but a lot of it's like so hyper-focused on like a time and a place that it's it's really hard to be like if someone had no context for it to be like this yeah. is a this is a thing that you should understand
1: like the the jay and silent bob reboot one
0: yeah like all those ben affleck David
1: references
0: yeah the fact that mark campbell's in it you know is like itself like a reference justin
1: um, long and I really conversations
0: that Kevin Smith has ever had in any movie ever has been like Lord of the Rings versus Star Wars. It's all pop culture. Um, and this is the anti-that. So I will give it that. Comic
1: books versus the movies.
0: Comic books and yeah. movies. Um, so Alex, I think this is about wraps this up. Like next week we will be tackling Copland, which I actually don't know anything about besides Sylvester exactly. Stallone is in it.
1: Yes. You know as far as, no, I have not seen it. Um this is actually going the first film I've seen. With Sylvester Stallone.
0: Oh my God, Mike! Me too. I think I know. I've that oh something. Expendables. Yeah, he's in the Expendables. Yeah, I haven't God. seen
1: that franchise or anything at all. It's yeah. Like I, in Rocky,
0: right? He's in Rocky. What? So I've seen the first Rocky. Oh
1: no! Wait, wait. no, then that,
0: oh, no that's that's the other
1: guy. Okay. Wait, what am I thinking? No, scratch that. I have seen Rocky. Um, is it,
0: wait, is that Stallone? That is Stallone, right? Oh
1: my God! Right, wait, him? scratch that. No, no, um, no. Scratch that. I had. I'm, I'm thinking about someone else entirely. Um so who's the, the guy who's the guy that like said he was like a complete badass with a ponytail and he did like well, Steven, Seagal. Steven Seagal, that's what I was thinking of. Forget me. I
0: often get yeah, to do
1: it. I assume I to, to the wreck, Rocky franchise, but as far as I know, that's all I see.
0: Um I've i <laughs> I feel like I do the same thing. I just did in my head of I was thinking of Stallone versus um seagal because i feel like they took up like very kind of similar roles but seagal is yeah. like a trash version of stallone and yeah. that's like, kind of the thing um, he, he
1: was also like accused by like a bazillion women
0: i don't think that's stallone like, ever was. But, like, stallone uh, wasn't.
1: Yeah, he, yeah he's been like happily married and everything yeah, and seagal, like, Steven
0: was like, like a bad person i think yeah <laughs> <laughs> he <laughs> like yeah
1: he was accused by a lot of women of um of uh, uh sexual harassment assault
0: he also like um, they just did a, a thing long, on like last week night ago. where he like the this this dictator president of like some European small European country like came to America and like Steven Segal was the only person that hung out with him.
1: He also so, like, like apparently, apparently he there was like a point where uh, he shit himself on 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 set once. He's also very
0: he, big into cops, like huge and
1: blamed someone else for it or something. That's weird.
0: How are you gonna blame someone else for shitting yourself?
1: No, um, I I listened to this pod. I remember listening to this podcast um, actually from. You should guys should go check it out the best and the worst with the Ben Bateman and Andrew guys. It's a really cool podcast. They did an episode recently on martial arts, and they talked about where, like, eighties martial art movies with like Chuck Norris, so, and um, yeah, Gall. Like they were in because like when they were young, they were like really popular, Holy in like shit. the late eighties, early nineties.
0: Seagal. it's not just like the sexual like abuse or something he was accused of sex trafficking and lying about being a cop jesus christ
1: okay that's an entire other level
0: yeah that's next level um Did anyway that R.
1: kelly actually um he uh he um he's going to prison for child trafficking sex oh, trafficking
0: yeah, that, that i didn't know i didn't know mm-hmm. that he got something you know, steven seagal had his own drink uh, energy drink called steven seagal's lightning bolt but it has been discontinued and he makes weapons and an aftershave called scent of action yikes guys yikes that's a whole different episode um can't wait ridiculous. jesus christ drew stop reading this fucking wiki page um <laughs> he said that he killed people but like okay you know what never mind uh where can we find you alex
1: Guys, you can find me up here on Twitter at real underscore Alex Mac. Uh, I am right now trying to hit a goal of 300 first watch movies by Ooh, the end of add? the year. And what I just completed 175. It. My husband and I are also going to be diving into Akira Kurosawa movies over the next uh, several weeks. So, we're pretty excited to have a little dinner date while watching those movies. So, a bunch of reviews coming out for those. But yeah, a bunch of. I mean, I'm my personal horror movie goal, in addition to the 300 goal for this month, um, and next month is really just gonna be focusing on horror franchises. I love so that. For you. I want to finish watching the horror, the Halloween franchise. I want to finally watch more of the Nightmare on Elm Street and watch one, yeah, of how you, uh, I know what you did last summer and all that shit. So mm-hmm. coming in hot.
0: I love that. Um, okay, guys, you can find me at uh, Drew at all social platforms. You're on my channel, so you already know how to hit that subscribe and like button. Please do mm-hmm. that. Please leave a comment. You can also hang out with me over at Content Candy, which is now on Apple, iTunes, Stitcher. I think it's like on all the places you can find podcasts. Uh, so it's the network that's started by me and Nerd Chronic, and we have a bunch of shows on there, some of which are exclusive to the network, uh, including Garmin Chosia with me and Lon Harris. Um, we also upload every episode of Cinema Bias and my other shows, including Why Are We Like This with Adam Collins and uh, Late Night, or sorry, Live in the Dark with Video Drew and uh, not the Video Chronic Quizzes, but a couple other things. So check that out. Check us out. Um, uh, yeah, I think that's it for now. Just, well, we, we love you. And thank you for stopping by and watching yeah. us. Um, we will see you next mm-hmm. week for Popland. And yeah. Oh, yeah. Leave a rating on Content Candy. That'd be helpful. Okay. And just
1: comments and all that good stuff. All that stuff.
0: Thank you guys. We'll talk to you later. Bye.